We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to Lakers Nation Live. The Lakers get the win over the Portland Trailblazers. No LeBron James. In some some way, the Lakers still managed to get it done. Let's face it, the Blazers, not one of the better NBA teams out there, but, but they are still a team that can give you a run, as we saw there at the end. They put some pressure on the Lakers, but fortunately, L.A. was ultimately able to finish them off and get the W. Now back to 500, 5 and 5 through the first 10 games of the season. Got a lot to talk about from this one, so welcome in, everybody joining from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, check out our membership program over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. You can check the Join button there. I think we've got some pretty cool perks. You guys can also gift memberships to each other in the in the chat while we're doing this show, which is always fun to see. Joining me tonight, we've got Matt the Optimist Peralta. Matt, how you doing? Lakers get a win. Uh, I'm doing pretty well, Trevor. Uh, I am happy to be on the live stream for a win, finally. So that's great. And yeah, good way to cap off the weekend here. Yeah, absolutely. Good way to, to close out the weekend. A Lakers win. Let's face it, this was this was kind of a game that you had to win. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the sense that it's it's necessarily a must win or whatever. Like you're see, you're not in a huge trouble if you don't win the game, but this is a very winnable game on your schedule, even without LeBron. And so those are the games that you really have to make sure that you walk away with the W, you put it in the bank, and then off you go because you're going to face some more difficult opponents later on in the season. So I was pleased to see that while they made me nervous a few times, ultimately the important part, the Lakers, they got it done. Without LeBron, they still got the win. Yeah, what is Los Angeles without some Hollywood drama, right? Um, And look, I think coming into this game, it was like sort of a sneaky trap game for the Lakers. Um, You know, that comeback win over the Suns to begin the Mm in-season tournament. And then now you face this Blazers team at home. Um, I know the Lakers didn't have LeBron, but, you know, the Blazers are also missing Scoot Henderson. Robert Williams is out for the year. So, you know, there were definitely some names that I was not familiar with until tonight. And so this had all the makings of that. But I'm just happy that the Lakers were able to pull it together in the third quarter and ultimately down the stretch of the fourth to get this win. Yeah, it got a little scary there during during the fourth. Um, the, the Blazers pulled within one. But fortunately, the Lakers were able to see it out and get this game through, you know. This is this is just what you have to do. When you don't have LeBron, it's not always going to be pretty. But if you can get the job done, you can get the win. You're going to have to take it. Now, it doesn't mean we don't have some things to talk about here. We certainly do. We've got a few things that we need to get into in terms of Anthony Davis, the minutes he had to play in this one, how the wing rotation worked out, lots of stuff to dive into. So those of you joining us in the chat, welcome. Uh, remember the way it works. Super chat questions are, are the way you make sure that your question gets read, even if it's on, say, tomorrow's show, if we don't get to it today. But uh, we get through all the Super Chat questions. We'll take all the questions and comments that we can get on the show. So, again, welcome in, everybody joining over on YouTube. Uh, We do have some awards to hand out for this game, which we'll get to in just a moment. Let's start with one of our chat questions, though. Andrew, or comments, said, uh, AD is dominant. So many players played well tonight. Depth finally did its thing. Love it. Can we talk about Cam's confidence boost? Yeah, so... On this night, we saw Cam Reddish, who just got made a starter 
last game and had a really good game, I thought, against the, the Suns. And now tonight, I thought he was actually one of the Lakers' better offensive performers. 18 points, seven boards, three steals, two assists, three of three at the line, one of three shooting from deep, and seven of 10 overall. I thought the offense actually took a step back when Cam Reddish was off the floor in this game. Matt, what a, what a turn of events. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I remember, I think it was the second quarter. I don't recall off the top of my head, but I remember that the Lakers had started to trail. And then I said, as soon as they inserted Cam Reddish back, I was like, don't worry, everyone. Cam Reddish is back on the floor. We've got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, honestly, it was a little weird to see the offense fall off as soon as Cam got subbed out. And so I think he did a lot of good things, particularly the outside shooting was impressive, but also he's got some juice getting to the rim. He got downhill yeah. a few times, finished with his left hand. I think even Stu Lance on the broadcast mentioned it. So, you know, kudos to Cam. I think that confidence is, you know, everything, even at the professional level. And so to see a player like Cam, who's been cast aside to play this well now, um, it's, it's really fun to see. And, you know, I will be the first one to admit it. I did not expect this. Didn't think we were going to get this at all this season. And to see it play out this early, I think just pays, is going to be you know beneficial for the Lakers going forward. So I am so happy to be wrong about Cam Reddish. I, I just I hope it continues. I hope this mm -hmm. continues because this is great. Uh, this is fantastic seeing him play well. Um, the getting offense from him is always a, a a bonus right now. But defensively, I think he's been uh, he's been really solid for the Lakers. You know, it's interesting when we look at. Torian Prince, Rui Hachimura, Cam Reddish. We knew the wings were going to have to play a lot with LeBron out. Also missing Jared Vanderbilt still. Hopefully we'll get an update on him soon. I believe tomorrow is what yep. Billy Mack said on the broadcast. I kind of wonder if Darvin Ham is going to let out a little bit of news maybe uh, in the postgame. So I'll keep an eye on that. But uh, but of those three players, Cam Reddish played the most minutes. 33 for Torian, 33 for Rui, 38 minutes for Cam and I don't think that was a mistake by Darvin Ham. I think Cam was the best of those three. No, absolutely. I think he earned his minutes. I mean, offensively, you know, we've been talking about it a lot. Just the shooting seems to be perking up, driving to the rim, finishing at the mm -hmm. basket. But also defensively, too. He's just so disruptive, um, particularly off ball when he gets to get his hands and, you know, use that wingspan and length to get into passing lanes and, you know, either get deflections or it's outright steal. So, yeah, just a really good two-way performance from Cam. And I think that, he, you know, he's kind of supplanting himself in the rotation as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, is, he seems to be... Um... Look, he, like, I don't know. I think when Jared Vanderbilt comes back, I thought Vando was going to take over that starting spot. If Cam keeps playing like this, he may just keep it. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, face reality said all starters played well. AD was good. Rui and Prince saved us. Yeah, so let's, let's take a look at the stats here from this game. You look at the starters. They all played pretty big minutes. We look at 18 for Cam, 19 for Rui on 6 of 10 shooting for Rui. So he shot the ball well, too. 30 for Anthony Davis, 41 minutes. That's a little more than I'd like to see for, for Anthony Davis. Torian Prince finished with 11, but made the big defensive play late in the game when he got the steal and the score. The lead was just three at that point. We were nervous, and he pushed it to five, gave us a bit of breathing room. And then you had 11 points for D'Angelo Russell. Didn't shoot the ball particularly well. Again, 0 for 3 from 3. Hasn't shot the 3 great recently, but 11 assists, 5 rebounds. thought the starting lineup did pretty well uh, in this game. And then Austin. Uh, 18 points, four boards, four assists. So far, so good with this experiment of trying to stagger Austin and D'Lo. It seems like you're getting a little bit better out of both of them by not having their minutes overlap quite so much. Yeah, there's a there's a lot there. I think, first of all, the starters, I thought it was a really well-balanced effort. I thought everyone contributed to the win tonight. Um, I think everyone did it in spurts, too. Um, I think the first half was a lot of Cam Reddish, and then I thought the second half was Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves. So kind of that nice balance and people filling in the gaps while LeBron is out. And then, you know, as far as Austin goes, um, I do think that it's pretty it's pretty interesting to see it play out the way it has. Obviously, I think I'm still a proponent of the D'Angelo and Austin backcourt, but I think splitting them up makes a lot of sense given their strength. So um, if the Lakers keep winning, like, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think so far so good with it. And if if you can keep winning at it, keep doing it, right? No reason no reason to change that. We'll see what happens when Gabe Vincent comes back, of course. Uh, Koa said, I think LeBron's trust, this is something interesting, I think LeBron's trust unlocks something in Cam. He's been very comfortable and confident on the floor and loved the way AD kept demanding the ball. So let's let's take the first part of that. LeBron James against the Suns, who we knew when it was announced Cam Reddish was starting, we said very clearly, 
Cam is going to have to make the Suns pay for their choices because they're going to choose to leave him. They're going to leave him alone behind the three-point line. And he did. He hit five of eight from three. And LeBron kept feeding him the ball. He didn't just let the Suns get away with ignoring Cam. He said, fine, we're going to, you want Cam to shoot? We're going to let him shoot and we're going to live with it. And Cam knocked those down. Do you think this did something? I mean, it's it's a small sample size, but LeBron James, right? We're not talking about a coach. We're not talking about, you know, even an all-star level, level player. It's LeBron James telling Cam, I believe in you. I'm going to get you this ball. You keep shooting it. Do you think maybe that mattered a little bit? Oh, absolutely. I definitely think it matters. Um, you know, I think we talk about like professional athletes as if, you know, they're just going to go out and do their job all the time. And um, they don't go through like the ebbs and flows of like high confidence, low confidence, you know, you know, that sort of that sort of thing. And so I think for LeBron to come out publicly and say that he supports Cam and he's going to keep passing to him and wants him to keep taking those shots. I definitely think for like a player's mental, it does a lot of good. It just means that like, you know, the best player on mm -hmm. my team, trust me. Um, you know, he still wants me out there. He still wants me to play my game. So I think it kind of puts role players like Cam at ease and allows them to just, you know, do the things that they're being asked to do and not have to think so much. Because I think early on in the season and the preseason, you saw a lot of thinking from him, trying to figure out what to do, where to fit in. But I think now he's playing a little bit more loose. He's seeing some shots go down. And so I think just having the confidence of your best player again is, is really helping him get through the stretch and, you know, succeeding really. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's It's got to be a confidence boost for a guy like Cam Reddish who's bounced around the league and trying to now find a new home in L.A. Uh, let's get to this because we need to talk about Anthony Davis anyway. Superstar of the night. The superstar of the night. He mentioned AD was being aggressive, demanding the ball. I think AD knew he was going to have to have a big game, and he certainly did. 30 points, 13 boards, 6 assists, 3 blocks, 10 of 20 shooting, uh, 10 of 12 from the free throw line. Anthony Davis did a little bit of everything in this one. Honestly, I was a little bit underwhelmed by his first half performance, but second yep. half he came out and and really, I think I said it at halftime, I'd like to see D come take control of this game. He did just that again, 30 and 13. He was the best player on the floor. This is what you need to see out of Anthony Davis when LeBron James is out. Yeah, you know, funnily enough, I'm, I'm in agreement. I kind of was watching the game and I was like, you know, I haven't really felt AD's presence on the floor tonight. I know he had a couple uh -huh. blocks early on and, you know, that got the crowd going a little bit. But offensively, I thought he was a little bit quiet and, and passive, kind of just letting the game come to him. So, you know, to the comments point about him wanting to be more aggressive and demanding the ball, that's exactly what you want to see, especially when LeBron is out of the game. Um, and like the Blazers are not world beaters when it comes to defending the paint. Um, so I thought that the Lakers did a good job of attacking that matchup and making sure AD got his touches near the rim. So kudos to him for stepping up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was a nice performance from AD. He made big plays when they needed it and uh, had a couple of falls that had me hold my breath a little bit, but <laughs> yep. that is that is all part of the Anthony Davis experience. Uh, Jesus became a new member of our YouTube channel. Welcome in. Hope you enjoy the the perks that, uh, that membership brings. Uh, let's go here. Good game. Oh, good game, but Ooh. Ham's awareness needs to improve on that run. Call the timeout at the eight-point lead mark and not wait till it gets to three come on we need to make our threes yeah i thought that it, it was interesting we talked about this on playback because darvin was asked about this recently he was asked about his timeout usage or lack thereof and he said look the reason why i don't call timeouts like when other coaches do like we see uh mark dagnall i think in particular a lot of coaches do this but he in particular i thought does a really nice job of if a, an opponent goes on like a five point run quick timeout regroup draw up something that's going to get us a good look and then swing the momentum back. Um, Darvin does not do that. He will let things go, let his guy try to try to solve things. And he said the reason why he does that is so he can get rest for LeBron and AD by using his timeouts in the fourth quarter. That if he needs to play them longer minutes, he can artificially get them rest without having to actually take them out of the game just by calling a timeout um, and saying, hey, here's three minutes or whatever because it'll be a TV timeout uh, that you can rest. LeBron was not in this game. And Anthony Davis was, but still, AD, there was no LeBron, and I thought Darwin was not aggressive enough using his timeouts. I think he let the Blazers go on a couple runs where he let it go a little too long, particularly without LeBron to stabilize things out there. I was kind of looking for Darwin to, to step in and, and help settle things down a bit more, and uh, and he didn't do it. He stuck with the same strategy. So I, was, I wasn't super thrilled with that. Not, not something to be you know, yelling and screaming over or anything like that. But 
it was noticeable. Yeah. Um, what's the quote from dodgeball? Bold strategy, Cotton. Um, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Um, I, I have also thought it's been a little bit weird. It's it's very much in the Phil Jackson school of thought of allowing their players mm -hmm. to play through things and, and call timeouts when you absolutely need to. But I just don't think that this Lakers team in particular is kind of able to work through problems in real time like that. I do think that calling timeouts a little bit earlier in these runs would be way more beneficial rather than, you know, try to steal some extra minutes of rest for LeBron and AD down the stretch. Um, so I hope that is something that improves. Um I do think that, you know, some of these runs could have been prevented or just not not gone as long as they did if, if Darwin called the timeout and decided to drop a play just to settle the team back into place. So, mm -hmm. um, again, not something I'm going to be overly worried about through 10 games of the season. But I will say, though, that when it comes down to, like, you know, toward the end of the regular season and into the playoffs, uh, hopefully um, that's just going to be something that's going to need to be addressed then because for sure, like, you can't have, like, you know, these 10-12-0 runs when yeah. the games really matter. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, and that's something where you're going to need Darwin to kind of step in there um, and, and do that. And, you know, last game, I thought it was Darwin that called the timeout to save Anthony Davis uh, against the Suns when he was about to lose the ball. And it was LeBron. We gave, we on the show, we gave him credit for it. You go back and look at it, it was actually LeBron who called the timeout. So um, still a little bit of a concern. Darvin Ham's timeout usage. Uh, the comment also said we need to make our threes. Yeah. Just 21% from three. The Lakers shot well against the Suns from deep. Did not shoot well in this game. Had they shot even league average, it would have made this a much more comfortable win. So those threes, they need to start falling. Uh, Matt, our, our guy, Torian Prince, TP, uh, 0 for 7 in the last two two games combined. We know he's a better three-point shooter than that, but uh, but he can't seem to get him to drop recently. Two things here. One, Matisse Thibault made as many threes as the Lakers did tonight. That's a real stat. Why? Why does, why does he keep doing this? I, I he keeps it, he did this last year too. It's just it's the Lakers curse, bro. I guess. I guess. Uh, the second thing I want to say here is that it's probably my fault because I I called Tori in my West my new Wesley Matthews and now he forgot how to oh, shoot. No. So. Oh no. Well, I called for the Torian bounce back in this game. I said he was going to knock down threes. I said that there was going to be positive regression coming. So maybe. It could be both our faults there. Tandem effect. Uh, Mission 86, they keep them coming now again. Yes, indeed. Mamba mentality. And then we're going to get to another award here. Said Cam, Prince, Gabe, Vando. That's our defensive dogs. All right, two of those guys are out right now. Prince needs to get off the three-point slump, though. He's ha he's uh, game besides that is fine. Ham needs to chew out the second unit. They keep losing the lead. I mean, the second unit was kind of thin in this game. Mm. I don't, I, in, in particular, and I guess, you know, they won, and so I want to be positive and everything, but Jackson Hayes really had a rough outing in this one. He sure one, did. One for four, a number of just awkward-looking attempted finishes at the rim, the plays he should have finished that he didn't. Um, you see it there. He played seven minutes, 0 of 2 from the first line, 1 of 4 shooting the ball, one assist, three fouls, and a minus 11 on the night for Jackson Hayes in just seven minutes. That's part of the reason why Anthony Davis had to play so much was Jackson Hayes and, and Christian Wood. I didn't think I had a great game either, but not quite as bad as Hayes. But um, the Lakers' other bigs weren't getting it done, and so Anthony Davis winds up having to play even more. What happens when, when LeBron comes back and Jared Vanderbilt comes back, which, fingers crossed, hopefully both those things happen soon, is Jackson Hayes part of the rotation? Yeah, it's kind of tough. I mean, I mean, to be fair to Jackson, I think I saw this on Twitter. I'm not sure if you did, but I think he actually went back to the locker room to get checked out. Um, oh, did he? So maybe there was an injury going on there? I'm not too sure. I, I don't want to confirm anything. Um, okay. I, mean, I mean, I do know that um, he has been dealing with the ankle sprain. Obviously, he missed a game because of it. So maybe it's partially that. I didn't think he looked quite as you know athletic or mobile as he normally does. Um, so again, I'm just spitballing. Not sure if that's the case. But back to your question about Jared Vanderbilt and LeBron. I do think that... And we said this, I think, before the season even started, that one of these players is going to get squeezed for minutes. Now that Cam Reddish is kind of asserting himself, I, I don't think you can bench him in favor of Vando. And obviously, I think the Lakers need Vando. So, you know, just kind of doing the math, I, I think Jackson does take a hit as far as minutes go. And obviously, you're going to have LeBron James back in there too. So 
between LeBron, Vando, um, Christian Wood, and AD, I just kind of think that's how Darwin's going to finagle those minutes. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, we did see one thunderous dunk from Jackson Hayes. He can be a, a breathtakingly athletic player, but he can also be a bit awkward with his finishing, and we certainly saw that in this one as well. And, and then Max Christie, I thought, didn't look super comfortable out there. Um, despite, I, I thought, it wasn't by a lot, but I thought he outplayed Cam Reddish in preseason. Cam Reddish is probably lapping him at this point for for minutes uh, here in the regular season because Max, I think Max and Jackson Hayes are both are going to be out of the rotation, honestly, when LeBron gets back, when Vando gets back, and especially once Gabe Vincent gets back as well. Uh, Face Reality said Reeves off the bench and closing is a great recipe. Yes, I guess that's something we need to talk about here because mm-hmm. Darvin Ham said... Austin Reeves, look, I'm not going to start you. We're not going to start you anymore. We're going to stagger you and D'Lo a little bit. We're going to use Cam's defense in that starting lineup. Um, but but what I can offer, I'm, not, I'm taking your starting job here, but you're gonna you're not losing any minutes. Number one, your minutes are going to stay the same, and you're going to close. D'Lo gets to start, but he's not going to close unless it's a situation where two guards are needed. You're going to get to close games. I think that's actually a pretty smart way to handle things if you're Darvin Ham, because then you can both improve your rotation and not have Austin feeling all that slighted. Because I think you can make a strong argument that closing games is more important than starting games anyway. Uh, I 100% agree with that. Um, I have said for a long time that I think starting is a little overrated. You know, if you go through each player's case, um, you know, like in 2020, for example, right, we like made like a stink about JaVale McGee starting basically every first half. But then, you know, Anthony Davis eventually moves to center. Similar concept here. Um, Look, we all know Reeves is a starting caliber player. I don't think anyone is doubting that at this point. Um, So as long as he's getting minutes and he's playing when it matters the most and in tight games like tonight, for example, I'm completely fine with it. Um, And like, look, like the results are kind of speaking for themselves. Like the Lakers are two and zero since the move. Um, I know a lot of people disagree with it initially, but yeah. given that the, the Lakers have not looked quite as good as we'd hoped, um, I think at this point we're just kind of hoping for wins. And if Reeves coming off the bench accomplishes that, then I think you just have to keep rolling with it. Yeah, whatever's getting results. BC said, "I'm lying to myself." Said no player chooses not to start. Oh no, if if Darvin went to Austin and said, "Hey, would you? Do you want to start?" Of course he's going to say yes. Of course he is. But I'm saying Darvin went to Austin and said, I'm going to bring you off the bench, but you're going to have the ability to close. I don't think he went to Austin and said, would you rather start or would you rather finish games? And I don't know what exactly what Austin would choose. I'd have to ask him that. Maybe I will next time we, we have him on. But um, I, I'm not saying Austin chose to do that. Because yes, players will choose to start whenever they have the opportunity to. I'm saying if you're going to pull Austin from the starting lineup, you ease that blow by, again, number one, your minutes won't change. Number two, you get to close. Oh, yeah. I mean, every player is going to want to start versus coming off the bench. But look, um, Austin is a great teammate, good person. I think he's just doing what's best for the team right now. If it's coming off the bench, I think he's willing to do it. And as long as he's getting the minutes, I I don't think it's it's almost like no harm, no foul for me personally. All right. Let's get into this here. Star in your role. At the star in your role. So for anybody who's new, this the way this works, this is not necessarily like the best player. Superstar of the night is who's the best player of the night, right? It was Anthony Davis. Star in your role. And Matt, I'm kind of workshopping this. I'm thinking about changing this to the Game Ball Award. Ooh. Because it makes sense. Like, who was the guy who deserves the Game Ball on this night, right? Who was the guy that just played his role the very best, right? Who was the guy that went out there and did exactly what the team needed that player to do? That's the idea behind the star in your role award. And I think that kind of falls in line with the whole game ball thing too. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know if I'm going to make that change yet. I'm letting it kind of marinate here. But who do you think is the star in your role? There were a number of guys who I thought did a nice job playing their role. Yeah, this one's a tough one. Um I think that there are several candidates that are worthy of it, which is something you can't really say most nights. So, um, look, if you want to argue for Torian Prince, Rui, D'Angelo Russell, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I would 
I kind of tipped my hand by saying those guys, but um, I think for me, I'm going to stick with the easy answer for this one because I genuinely thought he had the best game. Um, I think it's Cam Reddish personally. Mm-hmm. Um, just a two-way performance, the scoring we've talked about a bunch defensively. He's wreaking havoc, um, stepping up as a starter, um, and you know, kind of um, what's the word here? He's really um, showing Darwin he's making the right choice by putting him in that starting lineup and, and giving him so much trust this early in the season. So um, I want to give Cam Reddish his flowers. I was obviously wrong on him so far, and so I hope this continues. But definitely starting your role tonight, Cam Reddish. Love <laughs> 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 oh. mentality, says James Harden. We're, we'll talk about the Clippers in just a minute. I like it. Oh, I, man. I am, yeah, I, 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 want, I want to talk about it so bad. <laughs> I am always here for Clippers slander. I I love it. I love it. Um, You know what? I am going to go, and I think there's a number of options. And so by no means am I meaning to omit anyone. What's great is that there are so many players that we could talk about. Um, I'm going to go with Austin simply because not only did he he pump in 18 points, was he uh, excellent shooting the basketball, 6 of 12 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, 4 of 4 at the free throw line. But he also had, I think, one of the nicest passes of the season. Um, with that that feed to AD. Now, D'Angelo Russell had won a couple of games ago that was similar, that was more along the baseline, but uh, but that was a really nice find by Austin Reeves. So I'll go Austin, but I think you can make an argument for, for Torian Prince. You can make an argument for Rui. Um, and certainly, had you not taken Cam, I would have taken Cam. Yeah, so. I feel like, I feel like the first half was Cam Reddish, the second half was Austin Reeves, but I also mm-hmm. do want to make sure we spotlight Rui because he did have 19 points, was the second leading scorer for the team, had a lot of big moments in the fourth quarter. He's been playing really well since he's come back, so um, also shout out to Rui for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. He he was able to kind of fill the role that um, that the Lakers have been looking for from him, putting putting in points and and filling in for LeBron when when they need him to, which is which is fantastic. That's exactly, exactly what you need. All right. Joseph is not a fan of D'Angelo Russell. Said oh. Masterlock Delo's horrible, flat-footed, herky-jerky pump fake that goes nowhere. As soon as he pulled up or pulled that when we were up eight, I knew they were going to make a run. Rui and Cam are the Basham brothers. That's Delo is not, and he's talked about this, he's not an elite athlete. That's the thing. So he's got to have that kind of herky-jerky stuff because he's not as fast as other guys are. He doesn't jump as high as other guys do. So he has to have that stuff in his game. Otherwise, he's not playing in the NBA, right? He's not getting a shot off unless he has some kind of trickery, change of pace, things like that, pump fakes. He has to have all of that as part of his game. So that's why people can get frustrated with it, but he actually converts a pretty good amount of his mid-range jumpers. So I... It's just, it's part of D'Lo being D'Lo, but it's a very, it's not flash. It's not him trying to show off or anything. It's a necessary part of his game that simply has to be there for him to, for him to make it in the league. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I feel like um, in the NBA, when you talk about prospects and players, I feel like the word crafty gets thrown around a lot. Yeah. Um, and I almost think it is a, um, it's a backhanded compliment. It's sort of like when you talk about white guys and you say they're sneakily athletic. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Some, something i never got accused of by the way i was i was never sneaking up on anybody with my athleticism oh man i i think when i when i still had good knees and ankles i i was called sneakily athletic but uh, i was still short it <laughs> was not was not was not dunking on anyone by any means but um anyway my point being is that i think when you when you call a player crafty what you're really trying to say is they're not very fast and, and they're a little bit on the slower side but they just know how to get to spots you know like and i hate that i'm about to say this but oh. i feel like this is like a good description of paul pierce's game also was not very fast oh, yeah. not, not athletic but just a really crafty guy and that's Did the you say last crappy crafty oh i thought you said i thought you said crappy i don't know why i would associate that with paul pierce that's so weird i must have just misheard you <laughs> Clippers and Paul Pierce Lander. This is my favorite <laughs> podcast. Uh, but anyway, um, what I'm trying to say is that this is a necessary part of D'Angelo's game. He's not ever going to blow by a dude and just dunk on someone. He is going to like, kind of like, he. that's why he's so good at these floaters and these like one-legged jumpers and like kind of these awkward looking things that you probably won't see too often in the NBA. But he makes it work. And as long as it works, I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, it's... I think Delo's just fine with with what he's doing out there. It's not always the prettiest thing, but he has to. Oh, let's get into some 
some Clippers slander here. Uh, this one says, I'm most happy about the floppers. I mean, the Clippers lost to Memphis today, extending the losing streak to five games while we won ours. The Clippers winless with James Harden. And uh, the Lakers, but look, I mean, I don't want to celebrate too much because the Lakers play Memphis next. Lakers play them on uh, Tuesday. Fingers crossed. Hopefully LeBron plays. But that is a back-to-back, actually. They play Memphis and then Sacramento on Wednesday. So I don't want to I don't want to jinx us here, Matt. But yep. but Memphis was bottom of the table in the West. They were one and eight. Now they're two and eight. Yep. They really struggle on the offensive end. And the Clippers actually came back in this game. They were down pretty big. They came back. Actually, I think they even took like a one point lead. And then the Grizzlies battled back and put the game away. Um, it's not sad. It's not sad. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, it's just kind of funny that the homecomings for the uh, LA star guards just is not going according to plan. Russell Westbrook with the Lakers and almost, you know, I mean, through four games now, James Harden with the Clippers. Um Look, I was skeptical about the move when it happened. I mean, I haven't really talked about, you know, the whole James Harden thing yet, but um, my initial reaction, and it still stands, is that I just did not like the move for the Clippers. I thought they were playing just fine without him. Um, mm-hmm. I understand why you have to make this move, but I just, like, look, I'm going to, It's it's been a week, and I think they'll obviously get better. But I also just have a lot of concerns about this team. Um, if I was a fan of the Clippers, yeah. I would I would be a little bit anxious right now. But uh, since I'm a Lakers fan, I don't care. So I'm 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 enjoying the ride right now. <laughs> I, I, I think they they probably need to have the conversation that Darvin Ham had last year about bringing Russell Westbrook off the bench. Like he <laughs> yeah. he he benched Russ. I believe Tyloo benched Russ. I think it was for the final couple of minutes of. Clippers Grizzlies like I think he's realizing hey I and he even said before the game I, I'm trying to stagger Russ and, and Harden it's it's not easy it's these are two guys two guys that you've now put together that are very difficult to build a team around or to integrate into a team I should say James Harden plays a very specific style of basketball Russell Westbrook plays a very specific style of basketball and Neither one of them are all that flexible. I think Russ is more inflexible than than Harden is. Both of them mm-hmm. obviously incredible talents, but I, it's not shocking that the Clippers would be struggling a little bit to try to figure this out and get these guys that, again, play a very specific brand of basketball, and that brand of basketball is not what Kawhi plays, not what Paul George plays. That's going to be that's going to be a challenge for them, and it's a challenge that I hope they do not overcome. Like, let me just back up though and say, like, this is not me killing Russell Westbrook at all. Like, someone is going to like aggregate this and say, like, oh, like everyone's still bashing Russ, even though he's not in the Lakers anymore. It's not yeah. that. It's just a fit issue for me. Like, I do not like seeing those two on the court at the same time. Um, no. I think Tyron Lue is also realizing that. He mentioned, I think, recently too that he wanted to play more through Harden, which to me signals Russell Westbrook to the bench. It's it's almost yeah. a similar issue that the Lakers are having with D'Lo and Reeves, right? It's true. Sure. Both these guys are good, capable ball handlers. It's just they're kind of cannibalizing each other's touches. I got to separate them. I think the Clippers will eventually reach that point. Uh, how effective it is, though, remains to be seen. But for now, I just kind of hope they keep losing because um, the more teams in the West that lose, the better that the Lakers' chances are. So that's absolutely, absolutely. We need we need Western Conference teams to lose, preferably lose to Eastern Conference teams. That's that's what we need to see uh, because the West is going to be absolutely brutal. All right, let's get back to Lakers here. Um, Big Facts said, got to get this out there. AD can do this every night. For some reason, when LeBron comes back, we ice AD down the stretch. That's why Ronda was so crucial. He held AD AD accountable and got him touches. Do you agree AD can have this level of impact every night if the Lakers just get him the ball? Um, Yes and no. I mean, offensively, like, I, I think it depends, obviously. Like, if LeBron James is out there, I, I definitely think it's possible. I think, you know, AD looks at his best when he's got someone that's consciously looking for him every time down the floor like LeBron does. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I think this specific matchup, it kind of it was just kind of warranted. Like, the Blazers have literally zero people that can guard Anthony Davis. And so, you know, other nights there will be, you know, teams with better big men who can kind of bang with him in the post and hang with him. So, mm-hmm. I don't think he's necessarily going to have, like, 30, 35-point outings every night. But I do think he has the talent to be this impactful, whether it's, it's offensively or defensively. So, um, to answer the question, like, 
I think it'll ebb and flow a little bit, just given the nature of his game. But I do definitely think that AD has the ability to 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 make a difference every single night as long as he's engaged. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the team can struggle at times to get him the basketball. And Rondo is one of the better guys at getting a guy the basketball. So that's yeah, they don't they don't have that guy. They don't have Rondo at this point. And I don't think you're gonna find him either. So that means that the Lakers have got to come up with ways to um to better integrate him late in games here you go matt olivia campbell said master lock the clippers because well they are the clippers and he's and and she said glad matt the optimist is back tonight there you go matt oh my heart i'm so happy <laughs> it only takes one comment trevor to make the job worth it and i'm <laughs> just so happy let, go ahead take the screenshot and uh and you can post that and uh and everything oh you you know, there's other ways you can do that, or you can just pull out your phone and actually take a picture of it, if you, if you will. Olivia, you save it forever. Olivia, check your Venmo. Thanks for saying that. Uh, your four ninety nine <laughs> has been refunded in full. <laughs> Kelvin said, "Mad Jacks." I like that name for him. Isn't he Jackson's... a sideshow Bob? Yeah, Mad Jacks, sideshow Bob. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he goes by that because of the haircut. I... Can we give him a let's give him a nickname when he starts when he starts playing well? I mean, we could also give him nicknames for playing bad, but I don't think we want to do that. Yeah, no, that's just mean. Not for a Lakers player. We can give opposing players bad nicknames. Um, Jalen said uh, became a YouTube member, so welcome in to the YouTube channel membership program. Uh, Alex Amberlake said, "Love what I'm seeing from Cam." Yeah, Cam has been. A pleasant surprise. This oh. has been been great. Um, he got to the rim. Uh, he's playing good defense. He's using his athleticism. I hope it's something that continues. I hope it's something. And I can tell you this: I think they're going to need him against Memphis. I think you're going to need guys to chase Desmond Bain around. And uh, uh, I think Cam would probably be my top option to do that right now. I agree. Also, Skylar Gessert with the Jack's Hammer nickname. Oh, that's a good one. The Jack's Hammer. I like it. I like it. I like it. Uh, we've got a few more channel members coming in. Brad gifted a membership, which is which is always cool to see. And uh, we got Kill Raven in. Ghastly uh, Prawn came in. Dang it. The chat's Are right. We... I missed out on the James Harden, I'm a system comment to make a joke there. Damn it. Oh, whoops. Yeah. yeah, you know what they say. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Yep. Damn it. Yep. It's, that's okay. I'm going to have that one to bank for the next time the, late, the Clippers lose. Uh, Billy said, man, I feel sorry for the team that plays the Lakers when the three-point regression hits all at once. Yeah, the Lakers have not shot the ball, ball well from three this season. Surprise. They did shoot well against Phoenix, though. They did. From three. Um, against Phoenix, what did they finish? Like 48? I'll pull it up. Yeah, it was or 44% from three yeah. against Phoenix, but they are one of... Uh, the stats are changing a ton every day, but so I don't know if this includes tonight's game or not. Sometimes it takes a little bit of time for this to come in, but the Lakers right now, just in three point percentage, they rank 28th in the NBA. And no, this doesn't include tonight. This is with nine games played. So um, then that had them at 31%. Tonight's game will lower that. They may indeed be dead last in three-point percentage after tonight's game, although the Blazers are 29th on this list. So depending on if, how well they shot, we'll see. But um, yeah, I don't... I guess this is where I land on this, Matt. I, I don't expect the Lakers to be a good three-point shooting team, Same. but I also don't think they're this bad. I think that is correct. I think that the Lakers are missing some of their guys that can shoot threes. Um, I mean, really, particularly Gabe Vincent, who I'm hoping also regresses because I think when he was playing, he wasn't even shooting that well. He's shooting uh, 7% on the season from three. Yep, that sounds right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so hoping that comes up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, look, what like what's a good number for the Lakers to finish the season? Like 21, 20? Yeah. Yeah, if you finish that, 20 is, or so. Is that too optimistic? Oh, you are the optimist. Uh, but let's see, to give you an idea, let's see. Um, that would put them right around like 35%, right based oh. on the numbers right now. And I think these will 
slide down a little. Like right now, the Mavericks are shooting 40% from three on the season. That's not going to continue all season long. But um, yeah, about 35%. I think that's a realistic target for the Lakers to shoot 34, 35% somewhere in there by the end of the season. Yeah, I, man, the bar is like almost the floor at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be great. But look, again, as long as the Lakers keep winning, they can be shooting 0% from three for all I care, as long as they're getting the job done. But uh, obviously, come playoff time and stuff, they're going to need to be able to hit some outside shots. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get into our next segment here. And it's one of our favorites. We get to vent a little bit. The Master Lock. Master Lock of the Night. All right, anybody new? The way this works, we take whatever the most annoying thing was from this game. We get to vent about it a little bit by putting it in the Master Lock. Our good buddy, Chris, the Masterpiece Masters, finishing hold. So, chat, let me know. What did you think was the most annoying thing from this game? Matt, I've got one. I'm going to go first tonight because I've got one that is bothering me. This got under my skin, and I could not believe it when it happened. I wonder if you have the same one. We might. I'm talking about Rui Hachimura's charge, no charge. Yes! Right, the charge or the block call from the officials. Rui drives into the lane, powers through Jeremy Grant, lays it up and in. Referee on the floor calls the basket good and one. The Blazers, as they should have, challenged the call. I thought live it was a charge. I thought live it was a charge. They challenged the call. The refs go and look at it. They come back, and this was the decision that it was an unsuccessful challenge. So it was a blocking foul on Jeremy Grant, but but no shot. They weren't giving Rui the continuation, but he gets two free throws. So this makes no sense, Matt, at all. The Lakers were not in the bonus. Mm -mm. The only way you get to shoot free throws is if you're in the act of shooting. So if you're ruling that Rui is in the act of shooting, hence giving him free throws, that means the basket that he scored was continuation. Because he was in the act of shooting when the foul occurred. It blows me. It almost felt like the refs couldn't figure out what the right decision was. So they just said, well, Happy medium. Let's, let's let's take a little bit away from the Lakers. Don't give him the basket, but he'll get to shoot free throws. So both sides kind of gets, you know, gets a little bit going their way. It was bizarre and it made no sense whatsoever. You can't land on that decision because you're saying two very conflicting things when you say no basket, but you're shooting free throws. You can't have both those things at the same time. And yet somehow referees in their infinite wisdom decided that was the best solution to that play. It 
mind-boggling stuff, Matt. The worst, it was the most nonsensical thing I've seen from the officials this season, and we've seen some crazy stuff this year. Yeah, it was so weird. And yes, I'm glad you brought it up because that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, there was not really a lot for me to complain too, too much about, but just that whole sequence was just so odd because, again, I was on the tweet, so I'm like trying to keep track of like what's going on. And so obviously, like real time, I'm like, ooh, really, really just bullied Jeremy Grant and made him touch earth. And then he got fouled in the middle of shooting and he made the basket. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like, they'll just either rule this a charge or a block. We will get one free throw. However, you hear the ref explaining the decision. And I think the thing that caught my, like, like meaning like perk up was like, mm-hmm. he wasn't in, the, they said that Rui wasn't in a shooting motion. And so that's why they decided to wipe the basket. Uh-huh. But then they gave him two free throws. Right. And I was confused. And I thought I was dumb because I did not, I was like, did I miss something here? Like, if you're not, if he's not in a shooting motion, then shouldn't it just be sideline out of bounds? Like, would I have hated that call? Yeah, but at least it would have made sense. So, I I just don't know. Like, I'm not an official. Maybe they know some rule that I don't. Whatever. But I, and also the other thing too about this, it took way too long for them to figure that out. And that to me signals yeah. we don't really know how to call this. A long time. It just, took a long time. I honestly, Trevor, I think I'm almost at the point where these reviews or these challenges, like I'm okay if I don't agree with the decision, as long as they make it a quick one, because this just ruins the flow of a game. And, you know, if you're sitting there as a fan, like if you're in the arena, it's just so like, you get like a little antsy. It's like, okay, like, let's just kind of, can we we, like move on? Let's get the game going kind of thing. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I think the league's got to look at this. Like, I just think that referees should have like a time limit on how long a challenge should take to review. And if it's not conclusive within that time frame, then just leave the call as is. I think that's completely fine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think there should be a time limit as well. Um, Didn't make sense. I I like that because you're here. That's right. The the chat is saying master lock Jay Crowder and campaign. The guys they know. Yeah, they know guys. The guys who you always want to put into the master lock. Um, All right. Let's see here. Let's get into some more questions and comments. Most of the chat is agreeing with us saying it made no sense. Now, the only thing I could say is maybe it's possible that what was being presented to us was wrong. Maybe the TV side made the mistake and should have uh, should have put the Lakers in the bonus. Should have put the little you know the little bonus light on there. But oh, sure. That's possible. If that's the case, then referees, I'm sorry, you got it right. But otherwise, if you're not in the bonus. That made no well, sense. It, well, okay, but even then though, sorry, I don't want to hang on this too long. But even then though, the ref on the floor said it was good. So yeah, they overturned right. the refs. I, I'm sorry. It made no sense. Made no sense. It was bizarre. And just strange stuff. I mean, fortunately, it didn't end up changing the outcome of the game or anything. I had it, and then obviously we'd be be more upset about it. But uh, it was it was just a nonsensical decision to arrive to. All right, let's get to this one. By the way, uh, this that last comment that we talked about about the three point regression. Darvin Ham after the game addressed the three point shooting. Said he's not worried about it as long as they're getting good looks. He knows eventually they will they will fall. Which, I mean, yeah, process over results. I understand. This yeah, sentiment. exactly. Uh, DJ said, I'm glad we took care of a game we should have. No LeBron, no problem. Recover and rest up, King. Threes didn't drop, but we took care of the ball. 500. Yep, the Lakers are 5-5 five and five through 10 games. I said 6-4 and four should be their floor, but mm-hmm. also I wasn't anticipating this many injuries hitting the team um, this early. So I, I understand why they're at where they're at, but... I don't know. Like, how should we feel right now? Should we feel good about this team? Should we feel fa- like where, where do we land now? Ten games in. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> it's so funny you brought that up. I was thinking about that today before the game started. I'm like, okay, because like optimistically, I was like, I think they'll win tonight. They'll be five and five. That's that's where I started, right? And I was like, it doesn't feel great to be five yeah. and five. Um, I think you had higher hopes for this team. I think the most optimistic person said seven and three. I think six and four is like the happy, like realistic medium. And so um, to not be there above 500 at this point of the season kind of sucks. But contextually speaking, the Lakers have missed three to four rotation guys. um, And 
they're still figuring things out. And plus, you know, to be fair, like the schedule to begin the year was pretty rough. Yeah, um, very true. So all that being said, I don't think I can complain too, too much. I think we were more hopeful, if anything. But I do think that the Lakers aren't in a terrible place. Um, I do think that things will get better as guys start to come back. Um, and so all in all, like I'm not extremely like pleased with where they're at, but I'm also not like panicking or anything. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that keeps me a little bit more grounded is just trying to remember last season when we were two and eight at this point of this season. So to be at five and five feels pretty good. Not great, but also I'm not like, oh my God, this season is like down the drain already. Like I'm still hopeful that things will get better. So I'm 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 going to be cautiously optimistic that things will get better from this point forward. That that's where I've landed. Yeah, I think we're on the upswing if mm-hmm. anything right now. That's that's the way I'm feeling. Although it's I don't feel like yeah, exactly. When you're winning games, it's easier to feel to feel that way. Uh Yoda said, "I feel a little better tonight with the win." He said, "But the Nuggets lost to the Rockets as well. Does that make you feel a little bit better if a team the quality of the Nuggets now admittedly without Jamal Murray they lost to the Rockets. Now, can we look at that and say, well, maybe the Rockets aren't as bad as we were thinking because they're now picking up some wins against some some good teams? Does that make you feel any better about losing to the Rockets? Not necessarily. I mean, a loss is a loss. Like, losses will always feel bad to me. But I will say, though, that I think it does speak to this idea that, like, it wasn't going to be, like, this shoe-in win that we kind of pegged them in for to begin the Mm year. Um, And, look, it's like, I mean, I, this applies more to football, but I mean, in the NBA, like any given night, a team can win. Um, it just it just takes like one or two players to get hot from the field and suddenly that team is winning. So um, it doesn't necessarily make me feel better, but it does, you know, kind of speak to this idea that the Western Conference is probably a lot tougher than we even initially anticipated, which is saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's as this comment, Philly says, it's scary if the Rockets are that good. It's not so much it's scary that the Rockets are that. It's scary if there's one more good team mm-hmm. in the Western Conference. Like the Rockets, the Spurs, uh, the Blazers. These are the three teams that we thought would just be on the bottom of the conference all season. Yep. If the Rockets are not that, if they're a good team that is going to be in the playoff mix, that's one more team that we expected to get in that's not going to get in. Yeah, I mean, so, like, I'm, I just pulled up the standings right now. So the play-in tournament teams, if the playoffs started today, Trevor, would you like to yeah. take a guess at who they are? I'm assuming it's the Lakers because they're 500. That's they're one of them. in the mix. Is it also, I know the Mavs are up. Is it, like, Golden State is in there as well, I think? Nope. They're not. I will who give you that. The Kings are seventh. Okay. The Lakers are eighth. The Suns are ninth. And the Ooh, Pelicans are tenth. Wow. And so I'm going to lead you the last five teams because one of these teams might not make the playoffs. It would be the Clippers, the Blazers, the Spurs, the Jazz, and the Grizzlies. Let it be the Clippers. I agree. That doesn't, that doesn't make the play. That would be great. I would love that. But but um, like, like you look at the Grizzlies, if they keep losing, like John Morant comes back at the 25-game mark, they have 15 more games About, without John. Yeah. They, they could have dug themselves a serious hole by that point. Um, yeah, the West is crazy. The West is crazy because you wouldn't expect the Clippers to be on the outside looking in. We didn't have the the Grizzlies on the outside looking, but now it's looking more like they will be. It's, we're only ten games in though. There's a lo- there's a long way to go. Mm-hmm. We got to do what we've done so far. We have to do this seven more times, plus two games. So there's a long way to go. But man, this Western Conference it's it's wild. It is is completely wild. Yeah, like obviously things are going to look super bunched up. Things sep- teams will separate themselves come mm-hmm. trade deadline day. But it, it again, I'm just saying like the reason why I brought those last five teams up: the Clippers, Blazers, Spurs, Jazz, and Grizzlies. Like I am personally not comfortable looking at them on the schedule and going, "Oh yeah, that's a win." Yeah, yeah. There, there's not. That's that's parody, right? That's what mm-hmm. the NBA wants. They want parity. They don't want there to be a lot of easy win games. And right now, I think they probably got it. It's stressful. It also can be fun, though. All right, let's see. Um, we'll do a few more, and then we're going to throw to uh, to Sean Davis and the Lakers Nation post post game show. Let's go. Uh, mood music throughout. Thoughts on the Clippers and James Harden mess. We already talked about it, but do do appreciate that. Uh, uh, I'll give any- you some quick thoughts. Um, 
Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> any any worries on LeBron's calf injury? Oh, I can answer this one. Um, I just wrote for LakersNation.com. Go check that out. Um, mm -hmm. Darvin did speak about this pregame. Um, essentially, I think LeBron said this after the game. It never really loosened up um, after the game. And so Darvin basically said that the team was being cautious with him, um, wanted to give him some rest where they could. And so he is considering LeBron day-to-day -day right now, um, which to me says he'll probably play Tuesday. Okay. Uh, but then they have a back-to-back. -back. Yeah, so I Tuesday think... Tuesday Wednesday. I think because Tuesday is the in-season in tournament game, he'll probably play yeah. that one, and then he yeah. might just sit the back-to-back. -back. Good point. Oh, boy, we have to look at that Lakers court. That'll be our first look at it. Oh, yeah. Very yellow. I, can, I, can, I, can I complain real quick to you? Um, sure. I just did not like on Friday that some of the Suns players, to me at least, looked like they were disappearing into the court. Because they're wearing the purple, purple jerseys? Yeah. Yeah. I, I It might just be me, but... That to me is just so hard to watch. And so I, I get the idea behind the specialized courts to let to let people that are watching for the first time know this game is different, but I think you could do it a different way. Like, can you just like change your jerseys and keep the regular floor? I don't know. NBA, if you're right. listening, just can we not do this again? Or if you're going to change the court, change the jerseys too. Well, the, the, the court change, I think they just went too far. I, I think they went too far with it. They made it. They want people to be flipping through the channels and go, "Whoa, something special is happening!" Right? Because the court looks so different. I think uh, you can achieve that without burning our retinas. I was just gonna say, like, oh, flipping the channel. Oh, something special is happening, and it's hurting my eyes. Yeah, oh, something special is happening, and it's permanent damage to my eyeballs. No, actually, I adjusted as the game went on. I felt like okay. as the game went on, I, I had an easier time with it. Initially, I was losing the ball against that floor um and the and the sun's players could because the suns were wearing purple you know um all right let's cut if the lakers wear gold against their floor or i'm yellow, telling you dude this is this is me getting older as an nba fan is just complaining about new stuff i have <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to hit that point <laughs> all right let's oh josh crockett said lakers winning is better than fantasy football good game uh... i'm assuming that means that i beat him in the the listener league I don't know, um, man. I, you can do week. both. Yeah, if you can have both, like like I apparently did. Like me crapping um, on Sean's team. <laughs> did Sorry, I, buddy. Did oh, yes, I did. Oh, I had, of course, I've got Keenan Allen on my team. Keenan Allen and CeeDee Lamb. Leading me to leading me to victory this for week. all the for all the listeners that are still listening to this podcast right now. I just want everyone to know I'm actually first place in the listener league. So are you? I am. All right. Boo! Sean oh, <laughs> is waiting backstage to start his show. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Next time, don't fall asleep and forget to set your lineup. Oh, that's funny. I'm that's dead. funny. Also, it sucks that the Chargers lost today, too. So that's a double whammy for Sean. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, oh, Robert reminds us that the Lakers are actually debuting their new City Edition jerseys on Tuesday. Uh, so where, they will where, not be wearing yellow. Where yellow where, where do you fall on those? I'm not a big fan of this year's. It's the and I get the triangle is, is historic and everything, but it's that pattern that's on. I just don't really like it that much. I don't mind the jersey itself, but I'd I'd rather see something different with the the logo. Same. I I yeah. like the color scheme a lot. I mean, obviously black will always look good on a mm -hmm. jersey, but I just the design is leaving much to be desired. But I will wait. Till I see him in person. Do you remember the uh, the old city edition jerseys, the gold ones with like the stars on them and stuff? And I thought, yes, yeah, yep. And you see the him in person, like, yes, exactly. And I was just like, you know, they're not that bad. Yeah. Sometimes when you when they're actually on, they'll they'll look better. Uh, DeAndre said, AD almost caught a body with that alley oop dunk. Oh, that sure would have did. been an early almost candidate crime. for That would, nope. I mean, second only to the Cam Reddish almost poster from a couple of games ago. Oh man, if that one had gone down, yeah, some close, close calls here with what could have been incredible dunks. All right, Matt, we've talked a lot about this. We talked a little bit about fantasy football. We talked about referees doing nonsensical things. We talked, talked about, about jerseys second. and and design on courts. Got through a lot on this show. Uh, thank you so much for coming on here with me, Matt. I, I do appreciate it. 
Trevor, it's been a pleasure. Um, I'm happy to come on whenever the Lakers win, whenever we can slander other teams, when I can say Paul Pierce sucks. Um, You know, just the usual stuff for me. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that the Lakers keep this going. I would like to make it three in a row on Tuesday. Um, And, yeah, just keep the good times rolling. That's right. Lakers Grizzlies on Tuesday. We are, uh, Sean's show is coming up next. That is the Lakers Nation post post game show. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here on Lakers Nation Live. Make sure that you do subscribe to the YouTube channel. In fact, hit that like button for me. This video out to as many people as we can. Hit that subscribe button as well. And of course, check out the membership program. Look at the perks over on the join button. Thank you again, everybody. Going to throw to Sean his show. Starts right now. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.